Good evening, fellow Gooners. Welcome to another episode of a Totally Arsenal podcast. I'm your host, Mornay, and my co-host, as usual, Aiden. Good evening, guys. A really scintillating performance by the Gunners. They were quite ruthless in the first half, coming out of the firing blocks, just like we wanted. Um, Abami actually scored very early on, but sliced wide once again, missing an easy chance. I was really... My, no, my what what really impressed me of the game was, you know, this new um four four two setup with a diamond. I mean, yeah. this stuff that if you think in the days when we, when we used to have our gaming time together, when we used to play Pro Evo or FIFA, yeah, it was always like the go to formation. And now to actually see, you know, it put into practice now with with like a real football team and and you know played the way we remember it. Because look, you've got um, Jaka playing in that. Defensive midfield role, and, and you've got the back almost, yeah. yeah. And then you got like Torreira, Guendozi on either side, you know, in an advanced role, and then you got uh Ramsey spearheading that diamond. So, I mean, for me, it, it, it really stood out. And as you said, from their first whistle, they got in Chelsea's faces, and I mean, they did not like it. And that was also one of the key look, there were many key factors in that game, which we're going to still discuss now this evening. But, I mean, that was also the one thing that just getting in their faces. What was your take on the, the old pressing uh, football of ours? It, it was good for me. Ramsey stood out with the pressing. I don't know if you noticed how he just kept on that Jorginho guy. It's like Chelsea couldn't breathe anymore because they normally use him as the guy, you know, to spread the play. But by closing him off completely, they were forcing Chelsea to do another sort of, you know, another game plan which wasn't working. And also the... Back four was struggling with with our pressing game, so for me, for me, Ramsey was pivotal with with the way he was closing Jorginho down. But you know what? They really confused me. Actually, not just for this game now, but you know, going throughout this past season now uh, under the Sari reign. I mean, if you've got a, a guy that's already cut out, like as and and one of the best holding midfielders in the, the Premier League in in yeah. country, why play him out wide? Because I mean, you could see every time that ball came to him, he does not know how to, you know, play, even though I don't know what they were doing in training, but you could see he looked totally lost. He was rather, you know, playing the ball infield. It's not like he's going to, you know, Kante's not that type of player that's going to take the ball out on the wing and start sprinting at people. So, I exactly. mean, it's already nullified. Because for me, I think if Kante was in that Jorginho role, I think we could have had, a, you know, a tougher game. But the other factor also which I want to now bring up is Chelsea playing with that false nine, it just does not suit them because it almost ended up with with uh, Hazard being you know you know so isolated. So I mean, it was giving the likes of Socrates and Koscielny one of the easiest games that they've had for ages. Well, I think I want to bring up uh, as well um, the the fact that Chelsea didn't have that number nine. Or I think, like you mentioned, I was played in our favor because they normally used to having a number nine mm-hmm. that. Um, terrorizes us, you know, the drug burst that Diego cost us. And with regards to the Kante thing, it's like when he was playing, you know, more advanced, it almost took and more dangerous players like who could cause harm to us, um, took that danger away because he was sometimes getting in good positions, mm-hmm. but he didn't actually have the, you know, that, um, you know, a tactical now as a, a more of a attacking player to, you know, cause, cause danger or anything like that. So we were lucky in that sense as well. 
Um, another fe feature that, um, of, of the way we played was, you know, that Kepa is quite a confident keeper. And he yeah. actually looked like somebody that, that was playing uh, like a debut game because they cut off all that outlets when they were showing a match of the day, like the the um, the way Arsenal were now doing their press. And they were picking up both uh, centre-backs on inside of the box. The full-backs that were, the, you know, the one full-back or two full-backs will, that will make the run forward, that option was cut off. So it was almost like forcing him to always take either, you know, the, the odd risk of not playing the ball short and, you know, with the risk of it being intercepted, which more often than not we did, or that panic clearance we ended up just kicking into touch or he ended up just kicking the ball upfield and nobody was there. And, and the, the irony of this game is that... Um... Arsenal only had like 35.7% percent of the position, where Chelsea had 645 position. And normally it's other way around when they come to the Emirates and they normally, they're the ones walking away with the win as well. So it just shows how we actually adjusted our game, you know, for, for against Chelsea. But you know what, that, that, that uh, feature, that, you do, that factor you're talking about now, uh, it was also the type of game where you're giving up position, but you're not losing control of the game. I mean, I know yeah. that sounds strange to listeners, but I mean, for me, it, uh, you never saw really Arsenal losing control of the game. It was almost like, okay, now we're letting you have the ball. So, you know, do something because we can do, you know, we can like pick you apart whenever we want. Um, yeah. We ended up taking the lead on the 14th minute, short corner by Xhaka and Torreira, playing it off to uh, Bellerin who whoops in a sweet, sweet cross. And, you know, Lacazette, almost like a Berkham type touch, takes yeah. the ball out from the air, brings it down, dances past about either two or three of the Chelsea defenders in the box. And then he just does this, I mean, one of that unique type finishes where it's like he just stubbed the, you know, his foot into the ground so that the ball like, just flew off the top of his foot into the net. I mean, it was fantastic finish, but, you know, something you don't see that often. He had no business doing all of those things. It was a, a typical striker's finish and it just shows the importance of having a number nine actually and he's ruthless in front of goal like i said and that's another stat they say like scored against almost all the big teams in the premier league like currently like the man city scored united he scored chelsea tottenham and i think in liverpool as well i mean it just shows we, we need a striker that will get goals in games like that but i mean one also feels more confident when you see you know, the ball falls at his feet at the moment, then, you know, if it was not to break to Aubameyang, because yeah. if, if Aubameyang needs, you know, a couple of goal boosts, you know, to, to shoot up the confidence again, but he looks almost like, you know, like he doubts himself when he's now, like, you know, almost like half-heartedly shooting, or he's either taking too long with, with that, you know, the, the thinking, like, whether to hit the ball left or right of the keeper, because normally he's just hitting the ball straight at the keeper. Yeah. And, and sh shortly after that, the 18th minute, Kalasinic played uh, Pedro uh, onside, where he lofted Leno, and luckily he missed that opportunity because we could have been, you know, 1-1 and let Chelsea back in the game very quickly after we scored, which we always mention that, why do we allow the team back into a game immediately after we score? But I think after that scare, you can actually see that, it's like, um, and, um, with regard now to the first half, I'm like, you can actually see there we started taking a bit more control because then we started almost like swarming them. Because then it yeah. came like from that high press, it became, you know, where at times the, 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 the you'd actually wonder is Hazard playing, is uh, William playing? Because they were starting to get so starved of the ball because 
like, if they even wanted to get or a part of the ball or get involved in the game, they had to drop so deep, like almost like within like halfway line or into their own half, just to you know get somehow active into the game because as long as the game just started drifting away and it was more based down to Jorginho not knowing what to do to you know with with distribution. And then, of course, he was always using the outlet of the defense. And you could see they were also not comf- uh, comfortable every time, you know, having to, you know, think, okay, what are we going to do now with the next pass? Because he's got no confidence really going forward. So he's just ended up, when he saw his, his channels are closed in about all three directions in midfield, he was, his only outlet was then to play back. Yeah. And it just, it just shows um, uh, the putting pressure and starting strong against your opponents or against the teams can make a massive difference. I mean, by by doing what we did, we, we dictated everything of the game. We weren't chasing the game like we normally are. And you could you could also see it was also a matter of time before the second goal was coming because yeah. you know we were knocking and knocking on that door. And that goal came in the in the 39th minute when Torreira hit a, quite a long free kick across field. Uh you know, attack the ball, you know, trying to win the first ball. Heads are down. Socrates hits it on the bounce into the danger area. There with a six-yard box, and Kosielny finds himself. Just played onside by, I think, Aspelacueta. I'm not sure if it was him. But he was played onside by one of the Chelsea defenders. And, you know, he ended up shouldering the ball <laughs> past <laughs> the keeper. I mean, I, I first thought it was the header, but when I saw that weird type of loop on the ball and with the replays and showed... It was a header, but I mean, a legal goal. It almost reminds me of a, a bold Tony Adams combination with Socrates and Koscielny getting that goal, but uh, quite an orthodox one. I mean, we lost. Have you also seen, yeah, come to think of it, a centre-back assisting another centre-back for yeah. a goal? But, and, and, but shortly after that, once again, just before half-time, when we like giving away goals, um, Marcus Alonso um, clipping the post. Almost it could have led Chelsea again with a sniff in to make it two one. But other than that, they didn't really actually have complaints in the first half without defense. At no, all. it was almost like a very you know against uh, the run of play type of moment. Yeah. Um, then came the uh, second half, as expected, more a conservative approach by Arsenal. You know, not so gung ho anymore, which I, f- I mean I found very clever because I think other times we would now yeah. try to go all out and then end up. You know, shipping also an early goal. So, very conservative way of playing allowed Chelsea, you know, the ball because it's almost like we gave Chelsea about two thirds of the pitch to, you know, dominate. Yeah. But the minute the ball came to the final third, we were, you know, plugging all that little gaps and then almost like forcing into, you know, eat uh, pot shots at goal, which I mean, most of them just skied into the crowd. Yeah, the, the second half, we really did stick there, man. There wasn't even much talking points like of of Chelsea. They obviously eventually tried bringing on you know um, the likes of Ross Barkley and Olivier Giroud, but I think it just all just proved futile in the end. I mean, nothing I want to add was you know with Chelsea playing Hazard in the false nine position, it sort of allowed our defense to isolate him, cut off any passes coming his way, and forcing him to drop deeper. And I mean. Uh, you know, whenever they did manage to, you know, come forward, there was never anybody in the box. Because, I mean, the minute the ball went out to, to either Alonso or out wide to to uh, Aspilicueta or even Pedro on that side, when they were trying to whip in crosses, there was nobody in the box waiting. Because, you know, that with that false nine, it really hamstrung 
the, the Chelsea attacking side. I mean, I don't know. Everybody's always on about the, you know, the Jorginho factor or the Sari ball and stuff like that. But I mean, I saw nothing of, you know, that sort of thing too. Because look, they were already kind of getting the alarm, uh, like alarm bells were going off already when we played them at Stamford Bridge when they shipped yeah. that blitz goals against us. I mean, it was now lack of, of concentration with our, you know, when we got, ended up conceding that that eventual winning goal by on So, but I mean, it was almost like a type of sign that, you know, we could go toe-to-toe with Chelsea if we wanted to. It's just we needed it to be more disciplined. And I mean, this is what we saw now on, on Saturday, a more, you know, mature, because I mean, even somebody like, like, like when Dozy was playing at times within himself in that second half, because he knew, look, we can't just go, you know, crazy and maybe, maybe, maybe get um, overrun in midfield or something like that. So a very, I mean, I, I really admired the whole, you know, the whole setup of the Arsenal team. So for me, a real Emery masterclass. And there was a lot at stake in this game as well. It, it just showed that the guys had the metal to actually, you know, um, put it all out there when we needed to and get the result. Because if we had lost this game, and a lot of us didn't have faith in us winning this game, yeah. but if we had lost this game, then I think top four chances would have gone sailing and United would have leapfrogged us. So there was a lot at stake in this game. Because I mean, as I said on in the podcast, and I mean, I put my hand up now, you know, for being wrong. But I mean, I really thought we were going to ship one or two goals because... You know, the reputation of us and clean sheets at the moment is not, you know, that good. So, I mean, you thought, okay, even if, if uh, uh, you know, Chelsea are at times some, like say, underperformed, because look, they're also having a iffy season at times with, with certain games where they're just, you know, scraping wins and whatever. But, I mean, I really thought they would now manage to, you know, break through the shackles of us. But, I mean, because they only held firm. And, I mean, the way you men... Socrates were high-fiving each other for every challenge one or either one. I mean, that's it, it, great to watch. I, I think you should. Uh, we should make both more predictions that Arsenal's going to lose and throw a week in, week out. We could be challenging for the title next time. <laughs> Another stat I actually want to mention, Arsenal actually have won more points in the, in seven games against the big six opponents now than they did the, the whole of last season. It was quite a good achievement. Uh, Eight points. Eight points thus far. Uh, let me just see. Um, as for Chelsea, you know, with a latter part of the game, started taking more risks. That was almost like the cue for Emery to bring on Maitland Niles and Iwobi, you know, just to add, you know, a bit more oomph. Because, you know, because look, with the sort of press we were playing, the players were eventually tiring. So yeah. off came Ramsey. And uh, what's the other one? Luck is it? Luck is it, yes. Yeah. So uh, from then on, on 69 minutes, a dampener to the game, though, as yeah, was bursting forward. I mean, you could actually see the leg buckle somewhat, and then he went down. And, you know, it was already warning signs. The minute you saw him, you know, collapse on the field and, and, and you know, not really react to, like the injury, because I first it was just like we a pool or something, but I mean, the way he was holding his knee, you knew something was not right. So, I mean, the news in later uh, came out that it is a ruptured ACL, anterior cruciate ligament. So, I mean, that wipes out the whole football season for him and probably three, two, three or four months for next season as well. So, you know, cut it for the guy. We definitely need to go shopping for a right back now if if that's the, like you know 
I don't think uh, Lichtsteiner is going to be somebody that we can um, depend on for that. And Ainsley Maitland-Niles, I wouldn't want him to be wasted at right back for the entire season. I mean, I'm not sure if we're going to, you know, go immediately, like say now into the market for somebody, because I think they're probably going to make use of, of you know, people like Jenkinson and, and, and yeah, like Lichtsteiner. Or, but, but I mean, for me, at the moment, I would actually be, if, if I was a, like with that three, I would actually say Maitland Niles as now the first choice backup. Maybe yeah. Jacobson a second, and then you know Lichtsteiner as alternate when if, if both can't be fit. Because I just think at the moment the you know the, as you said he was not really bought to be you know almost like a full time role type of thing. He was just gonna you know fit in here, fit in the end. But I just think now we already saw we lacks you know his game what. What causes all sorts of chaos in the defense when he plays? So I just think you know, for safety's sake, you know, just let this, you know, let, you know, almost like if it must be a really, a very very bad emergency and as last resort, then you draft him in. But other than that, I just don't see him making any sort of impact in our season. I think maybe a cheeky bid for Darty of um, Wolves wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah, but I mean. They fly. Yeah. They high flyers at the moment, so I don't <laughs> want to part with anybody because look, they can go toe to toe with any team. Because I mean, I'm already the other day when I was watching one of the Wolves games, and I was just thinking, this is going to be one hell of a game when we go there to the stadium to play. Oh yeah, I think it's going to be a hell of a game for any top four yeah. um, competitors. I think if you can get a result at Wolves, you will do your chance quite well. We saw Chelsea also lose there, so. You know they're not they're not the easy team. They're not a, a, a three point a banking three points to play against them. And then with regard to the game again, El um, Nani then came on for Bellerin. El uh, Nani then started uh, shifted into the def- uh, as a like you know defensive midfielder role with uh, Ainsley Maitland Niles then shifting to the right back position. Jaka then moving from his starting position as you know the holding mid. More into that advance, uh, Ramsey role. So I mean, it it was like also blended well. You didn't really, t- you know, notice that uh, Bellerin was now also yeah. off, or Ramsey was, of course. Everything was just clicking on the day. Everything was, you know, just smooth sailing. Really, it just shows um, what uh, Ramsey does different to Uzel. I mean, I don't think Uzel would have um, done that job of closing Jorginho down like that. I think it would have been a very different game. Had Uzel played, not slating the guy or anything like that, but it just shows that why we need someone with a work rate, you know, in that diamond role that, that Rams is taken now and made his own. Or even you're attacking mid, you need that person that's going to still work off the ball. Um, with, you know, as we're now wrapping up the game, my only uh, gripe with regards to the game is, you know, the British media. I mean, I don't like to always harp on stuff like that, but. I mean, for me, it was, you know, it was a, a, a great moment for us, you know, the way we played and, you know, chips were down also before the game. I mean, even the pundits and it also wrote us off for this game. But, I mean, for it was more a case of we lost to a poor Chelsea than it was a fantastic Arsenal performance. And that was what kind of annoyed me. I mean, to be honest, now pissed me off because... You know, this was, I was not just having a look at the at the Chelsea squad. That was actually the squad that beat Man City. I mean, number player to player to player. Like that. that was the squad that beat 
uh, sorry, uh, Man City. And I mean, like, we now turned up the style and whatever, and we now, you know, owned them really at the Emirates. So, but you don't hear anything of that. So it's almost like everything is now down to Sari and the players and whatever. But I don't think we forced them into all those errors. We forced them to, you know, to nullify whatever game plan they came with. Because, I mean, that game plan was out of the window after the first minute already. No, no, definitely. And had Arsenal lost, it would have been same old Arsenal, typical Arsenal, you know, mm. cracking under the pressure. So that's always going to be like that with Arsenal. But, you know, maybe we can shut their mouths by beating United, beating two um, top teams back-to-back will be a, a real test for us. So yeah, can... for, for Arsenal fans also, it will be, you know, something sweet to actually come off like it. Because look, when we beat uh, Tottenham, it's not like we kind of went off the rails against Man United in the yeah. in the sorry in the yeah. and then of course we we then played Tottenham in the in the Carabao Cup and they we looked totally you know out of sorts in that game as well so you know then you know, the, the criticism started piling up so now with the Chelsea game you know we showed that we ended up coming off way way stronger and I mean now come tomorrow I mean I just hope we can really put the United team to the sword because. You know they need to somehow also be derailed now, but because they on a I think what seven win streak. Yeah. So uh, you know, we need to give them a you know knock off the rails there. It's going to be a very different United side that we faced in December. I think this United side is going to be more focused. You know they're going to play for their coach. So Arsenal cannot come with that same you know mistakes. Either. They need to come with that same performance they did against Chelsea. And try to rock United because I think Rashford at the moment's been firing, and I just hope his pace doesn't give our defense a bit of trouble. And I mean, under Solskjaer, also now Pogba's playing more like the Pogba of Juventus than under Mourinho. Yes. So, I mean, I now it's almost like now I can actually see what all the you know the fuss was about because it's almost like uh, Solskjaer allows him to play with that you know that freedom now, whereas he was more. Restricted under Mourinho, you know, like almost like reined in. We, you know, he's somebody that could now probably do damage in midfield and 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 the attacking midfield side of the game. I just wonder if maybe you know they're gonna do a similar tactic that we did with uh, Jorginho. Maybe not Ramsey since um, Pogba plays more uh, like attacking, mm-hmm. but he will have somebody that will you know hassle him all the time. Someone to like Torreira, I think, mm-hmm. to get under his skin actually. Maybe keep him, make sure you always where he is. I mean, look, both sides for this FA Cup game on on uh, tomorrow evening. Well, uh, you know, somehow tweak their squads a bit because um, we still have a, a Premier League game again on the Tuesday against Cardiff, and I think they play Burnley. So, you know, everybody would want to now look. It's also we also battling each other head to head in the in the Premier League also now for position. So you just wonder who's gonna, you know. Take that risk with, with, you know, United will probably go with the Gea again because I don't know if they're going to really take that chance with, you know, one of the backup keepers for the, you know, a game like that of that magnitude tomorrow. Yeah, we, we, we uh, I think, we'll probably, let, you know, we'll let check play since it's now a FA Cup game. You don't think we'll go with a stronger lineup since, you know, this is probably our only chance of silverware. I know Europa League is there, but. You know, this, 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 um, you know, FA Cup is something that we could win, and it would be nice, you know, to give Emre a taste of some silverware. I just think, I mean, I, I fully agree with the, you know, going with a, f- a very, very strong team, but you must also think, 
we already there's certain positions in our squad now that it's so thin really so you know you don't want to also take too much of a risk because you know you're going to end up just playing your players into the ground so i, I don't know you know look emery is the, the coach so you know he gets paid for these sort of decisions so it's going to be interesting to see how or which path he's going to go down like you know go full strength and then you know ring the changes drastically against say cardiff since it's also another home game or does you know does he already go half off for uh, tomorrow's game already so i mean i don't know the, the problem comes down you said do you really think like not a, not a problem or the issue but would you play up front because i wouldn't want nikitia against the likes of you know the united defense i don't think no, okay, I, I, I don't think you would go there <laughs> i think you know you could probably expect us if we say if we put uh with regards now to say europa league if we put Bate borisov away you know in the first leg already then i think if it's a, a kind of formality type of game look i don't know so run my mouth up before the time but if it's just the type of game where it's almost like a formality then you can maybe let Nketiah play but I mean for a game like of this magnitude no I'd rather <laughs> stick with this formation as well also because it looks like this at the moment until you know until somebody now figures it out and can combat us I think this is actually a formation that we can actually hurt quite a few teams with well what I like to see with him right now at the start is that you know, when one thing doesn't work, he switches it. He doesn't, you know, throw the same thing over and over and over and it doesn't work. So I, I like how he's trying various things and like on Saturday it paid off. So it's going to be interesting to like see what he does against United now coming up. But, yeah, but um, I mean, what what does I find uh, very good of him? You know, sometimes it's going to work. I mean, sometimes we've also seen it backfire on him. And I mean, he puts his hand up and he says, look, I got this wrong with him. But I mean, it also helps the team develop and, and, and you know, it grows. We, we have now plan B maybe and a plan C maybe. So you can, you know, alter things constantly and keep the opposition also guessing. I mean, it's a, as, as we've been saying down the, the spot, time that we're not doing the podcast together, it's also a learning curve because from the players learning about the manager, the managers are learning about the players. But I can respect somebody that tries different things, even though it doesn't work, because at least he's trying, you know? You're not just throwing the same thing out there and it's not working. So, you know, it may not work at times, but I think as fans, I know it can be frustrating, but we just have to also realize that, okay, he's trying something different to, you know, try to make something work. And like you see, that's new formation and he's doing the trick as far. Yeah. So um, we're going to now switch our attention to some of the news that's been floating around with regards to Arsenal, transfer window stuff. Uh, that Dennis Suarez is again now, you know, with regards to delays. Because, I mean, some people are getting also nervous about it. And, and I mean, I know you were also getting a bit edgy yeah, about it. I thought the deal was off, you know, according to what I read. Uh, they said that, you know, the deal doesn't look like it's going to happen. So they're actually going to, you know, ask you about your thoughts on that. I mean, my take is just, look, they also play according to, oh, like say Barcelona, they also have squad restrictions and stuff like that. You know, they can only have, uh, I think about 25, either 23 or 25 players for this uh, La Liga squad and, and stuff like that. But I think with them bringing now Kevin Prince Boateng in as a just a general midfielder, because look, he can play all over in midfield. It's almost like, and, and then you see, Dennis Suarez also being withdrawn sometimes for cup games or unused uh, 
in the uh, La Liga games. So, I mean, uh, someone like a sign that, you know, he could, uh, I'm not just saying you look Arsenal's going to be the destination, but you can see it's also a sign of a player that's on his way out, probably short term or something like that. Because I think the, the more the stumbling block is, look, they want us to buy him after the loan and we want to first see, you know, if he is worth it. And this is what, I, I mean, I see Arsenal fans worried. I mean, look, I was so worried about the spending factor of things, which which to a degree is also, you know, on the one end, yeah, people get frustrated with Krumke and that. But on the other end, you can also see, it's not just us, you know, do, going down this path. Chelsea have now gone with a loan deal. Uh, Barcelona of all teams have gone with a loan deal. And so there are some other teams floating around that are also looking at more loan deals than, you know, just going edge first and, and, and you know, splashing the cash on players now. So, you know, everybody's kind of cautious now in the market. And I mean, I, I you know, I'm now, you know, we'll be patient uh, about how Raul Salnihi and, and, and Emery go about things, especially now with Muslim that now gone. Look, they're going to have to make the, you know, key decisions now in the market. You, you you can see why also maybe it's it's a good idea, you know, to have a player on loan first before, you know, sealing the deal. Because you still remember um, Julio Baptista at Arsenal. Can you imagine if that had to be a full-season player would have been a permanent player? Yes, and I think that is where Arsenal are very cautious now. It's like they don't want to just splash or, or you know, be, be fixed with a type of, you know, a salary of, say, 70 80,000 for a player that you're not sure that you will you see like a year or two down the line at your clubs. So, you know, it's not like we're just testing the water, it was like <laughs> somebody's buying a new car, we just buy, we just test driving, everything is running right. And then, I mean, if things go smooth, then we're gonna, you know, give the lump sum to them. <laughs> Broke <that> deal. <laughs> is Carrasco, you know, still in the pipeline because I would actually like him to come and play. That's like, I know that's actually gone very quiet. I mean, the thing is, he. He does want to return. That is now a fact that he does want to come back to, to the European leagues. But um, one of the other players that I saw, because we are looking for somebody that can play also midfield or attacking midfield. And um, another name that now popped up today was uh, PSG midfielders, one of the youngsters, uh, Christopher Nkunku. And um, the thing is, they are willing to give him, like, you know, just for this, this uh, half year, but they do want him back there. You know, they don't want any op- op- give a, give any option of uh, loan. Uh, sorry, permanent deal. So they just want you know to offload him for that six months, so that he also gains experience. But they also want him to you know, get some games under the belt. You know, so the Arsenal could be a, another viable option for him. Oh, it's going to be exciting times, I think, in the in the window. You know, there, there probably will be new faces coming even though it's for, you know, temporary basis. I mean, Emery, but, I think, did say he wants about two loan signings in. We definitely need it now, especially mm-hmm. with the injury of Ballerin as well. I mean, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, he's a good utility player, but we're going to need someone, to, because, you know, he was supposed to cover, you know, in the midfield as well. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to decide, you know, where we're going to, is a right back going to be important? Mm-hmm. Or two wingers? Or how it's going to weigh up? Because look, um, I heard already that place were pay quiz that guy long sitting. It's the defender. He's been told now he's not uh, going to be allowed to go out on loan. Um, Jenkinson has been also told, I think at the moment, no loans or, or sales are going to be allowed for him now. 
So it just shows you we are playing a kind of caution game now, you know, with, with regards to the defense since, you know, there's so many, like not only uh, injuries now, but also you don't know when Mustafi conks in again or Socrates gets, you know, fatigued or Kosialni could get injured again. Or whatever. But I mean, Kosialni, I mean, man of the match performance against Chelsea. So I think you can only get better from here on, like, you know, going you now into the second part of the season. And we're gonna need that, and I think we're gonna need everybody now to know, you know, give their all this last few months remaining. Yeah. So we'll pull a wrap on this podcast now. I hope you guys enjoyed. Hope you guys uh, share as well, which kind of helps grow the podcast. Um, our next podcast will be on the Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, just before the Cardiff City game. Then we'll do the pod, and have it already uploaded probably before 7 o'clock. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy the game tomorrow also. Goodbye. Enjoy the weekend, guys.